the most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective. Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans. Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya. Thirteen ten KNOX one zero seven nine one zero three three FM. Good morning. It is ten zero seven eleven out. Our daytime high today eighteen. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you. The film. It is the fall of Minneapolis. You can watch it for free at thefallofminneapolis.com or on Rumble. The book. They're lying. The media. The left. And the death of George Floyd. Joining the program is Liz Collins. She's a multi Emmy award winning reporter and anchor and a guest this hour. On Critical Thought, Liz, welcome in. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I I thank you for taking the time. So I want to start with this. What is your background, Liz? Why are you so passionate about the George Floyd case and the officers who were convicted for his death? Yeah, so just a, a bit of background on me. I'm a Minnesota native, grew up in Worthington, and I was a member of the mainstream media for nearly 20 years. I was working at WCCO, the CBS station in Minneapolis, uh, for about a dozen years when this all took place. Uh, But my husband uh, was a longtime Minneapolis uh, police lieutenant. He was the union president at the time of of the Minneapolis uh, Police Department. Um, I sort of got caught up in cancel culture and, and targeted, you know, how dare you anchor the news and be married to a cop. This day and age, uh, as crazy as that sounds, that's uh, what happened. But but more than anything, I was so troubled as a journalist, um, this dangerous narrative that the media w- was pushing, the mainstream media, uh, especially where I worked and such, too. And it didn't seem like anybody actually cared about the, the facts of this case uh, from the beginning. So I um, I went ahead and left uh, mainstream media over this and worked now for independent media. I'm with a place called Alpha News in Minnesota now um, and they allowed me to to put out a book um, and now this this documentary and I guess I was passionate because I just knew that there was more here and I think that if the truth was told about this three years ago we wouldn't even be having this conversation now um, because we're all you know paying the consequences to this day with with fewer uh, law enforcement officers with skyrocketing crime um, you know, Minneapolis is is unrecognizable in, in many uh, locations and such. So anyway, there's just a lot, a lot there. And I thought it was time to give a voice to the actual people who were involved in this, uh, because it did seem like the media didn't didn't care about that from the beginning. You changed my mind on, on George Floyd. Your documentary did. So I, I would have told you in the days after watching mainstream news coverage of George Floyd's death, I would have told you that I was sick to my stomach for w- watching what I perceive to be a police officer mistreating another human being. And what I found Mm -hmm. particularly compelling about your documentary was you didn't really render an opinion. You just let the footage speak for itself with a little bit of professional annotation to help us kind of understand the relevance of what we're seeing. But I I guess if you could, could you tell me what the maximal restraint technique is and why it's so relevant to George Floyd being restrained? Yeah, um, well, and thank you. I mean, that, that's the feedback I, I uh, that means the most to me, quite honestly, because this really is the the, the truth. 
Um, and we have been been lied to. But this is the very first time in Minneapolis police history that the body camera footage is withheld from the public. And on that footage, uh, there's many things, but specifically when it comes to the MRT, which uh, Thomas Lane even references in the body camera footage that they're going to do this um, he calls it MRE, but MRT, and they're they're speaking of the the hobble and what they're doing, et cetera, uh, which is as clear as day in their their body camera footage uh, that the public is not allowed to see, and the jurors are not allowed to see either. I should add in Derek Chauvin's trial. Uh, but it's the very next day that we hear from the mayor of Minneapolis, who says, you know, whatever is happening out there, this is not uh, a part of policy. You have the the chief of Minneapolis saying that. You have uh, the chief echoing that at Derek Chauvin's trial ten months later, and the head of training saying that they don't recognize uh, what what they're doing out there. Um, And I knew early on that was a lie. I looked up the police training manual, as any reporter um, would, I I thought anyway, um, after all of this. And there were two pages that were mysteriously missing the very next day um, after May 25th of 2020. So I said, they're lying. Uh, these, These two pages, I'm sure, have something to do with this. Uh, I kind of shouted they're lying over and over again, which is why I titled my book uh, just just that. Uh, but the narrative w- was set in play really from from day one. And I thought, you know, and I wasn't allowed, obviously, to report on this story per se, but I did have a very vocal voice um, in our newsroom to understand policing issues and such long before um, I, I married uh, Bob. I'd reported on uh, crime and such for, for years Um and I felt that the media always did kind of a, a weak job because it was a profession they didn't understand. But here it was really in black and white uh, b- before all kinds of media members and nobody was pushing back. Nobody's nobody's pushing back on the fact that this has everything to do with racism, even though uh, Alex King is a, a black police officer. Uh, so I wanted to bring that that story out in, in the film as, as well, because they were lying about this having anything to do uh, with, with race. Um, you also have uh, Tutau, uh, who's a responding officer as well, who's among Americans. So half of the responding officers are, are minority officers. And so instead, the media capitalized on this very dangerous narrative. And the facts simply, simply just did not match uh, that at, at all. You know, I, 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 I look at things like backwards accountability and holding people accountable. I think we all want police to be held accountable when they deviate from protocols or procedures. But when they follow the protocol and when they follow the technique that we've asked them to use and we as a society don't like the outcome of the results of that technique, then isn't it incumbent upon us to change that protocol and our instructions to law enforcement before we hold them accountable for the actions of what happened when they restrained somebody the way we've asked them to restrain. I mean, at the end of the day, George Floyd was a man who didn't want to go to jail, who didn't want to be arrested. That's what the confrontation was about. Police have a protocol as to how to respond to an individual who refuses to be arrested. And the answer cannot be, well, I mean, I guess if it's done work for you, I mean, carry on your way. Pardon us. Sorry for uh, sorry for interrupting your day. Right. And I, and I think also we wanted to play this body camera footage as well, um, because you have George Floyd denying that he took anything. Um, you have him saying that he was shot during his last encounter with police. That's not true. He's saying that his, his mother just died. Well, she died two years ago. Um, so there are just so many lies being peddled by George Floyd himself. So the media sees this very sympathetic character that they glom onto. So everything, of course, that he, um, you know, is, is saying has to be, has to be true. Well, do you know that also in the body camera footage, it's Thomas Lane who calls for an ambulance 36 seconds. We, we it, instead, it's you know this this obsession with this eight eight minutes and 46 seconds, nine minutes, uh, et, et cetera. 
um, as they're saying that George Floyd, uh, you know, pinned uh, or, or I'm sorry, Derek Chauvin pinned George Floyd to the ground and is, um, you know, crushing his, his windpipe. But nobody talks about the 36 seconds that uh, it took for Thomas Lane to call for an ambulance and how long it took for the ambulance uh, to get there. But again, even when the body camera footage is, is revealed, you have a, a knee that's more on the shoulder blade. Uh, of George Floyd and clearly these officers talking about what they're doing. Is it tragic, absolutely tragic what what happened that day? Yes, nobody's saying that George Floyd deserved this or anything along along those lines, but but we really should be critical thinkers and and question why we were allowed to believe all of this garbage uh, for, for so long. So I, I want to go back to something you said. So you were talking about that he was on drugs and, and didn't admit it. Is it is it reasonable to expect that people who are being detained by the police when they're told that, hey, you're being recorded, we have a body cam on you, they're not going to admit to taking illegal drugs because they know it's breaking the law and they know they're interacting with law enforcement? Oh, of course not. And that's not the point I'm trying to make. But basically, the, the point is that they're giving him a chance over and over again to also comply with <laughs> with their commands. Don't mm. forget, this is an 18 minute interaction in, in total. Uh, George Floyd won't get out of the car. He won't get in the, the squad car. He says he's claustrophobic, even though the officers pulled him out of a car. Right. Uh, he was in a cramped car where he where he came from. So we just really wanted to have people see this uh, for themselves because you have George Floyd by the media made to be this uh, martyr. I mean, there are statues made made to him, memorials, uh, et cetera. But, but nobody really knows the, that, you know, he's complaining that he can't breathe before Derek Chauvin even arrives on scene. Um, and something is, is, is clearly uh, wrong, wrong with him. And, he, and he's lying uh, again and again. You, you referenced actually my favorite part of your entire documentary, and it was the montage of clips talking about the time that George Floyd was pinned down. For five whole excruciating minutes. For eight minutes and 46 seconds. 8.46, 8.46, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. 9 minutes and 29 seconds. 9 minutes and 29 seconds, right? Actually, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. So it you do an excellent job at exemplifying exactly how far from reality this, you know, the, people thought, hey, look at look at what terrible things have unfolded. But the reality is they can't even they can't even get the basics right. My question to you is, to what end do leaders and politicians want the destruction and devastation to come from this? Like, what is the motivation to lie about the way that the the way that George Floyd was treated? To what end? You know, I think that this has everything to do. I always go back to this as, as a reporter, but you follow the money, you follow the power. You have a, a presidential election that had everything to do with this as well. This is, you know, ousting President Trump, uh, as crazy as that sounds, uh, at all costs, but to stir this chaos across the country. Uh, and the left really capitalized uh, on that. I'll be quite honest that I was never really a political person uh, as a as a journalist, but I, I am good at revealing facts. And people obviously had... Uh, something up their sleeve as far as how to how to capitalize uh, on this. You have a very, um, you know, left city in 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 Minneapolis. Uh, I think most of the members of the city council now are just actually self-described socialists. So that has a lot to do with it, um, too. This defunding the police. Um, this was definitely a way to, to capital, capitalize uh, on that. And you also have the federal government involved. You have the FBI involved within hours uh, Chief Arredondo calls the FBI 
uh, in, into this case that very same night, as a matter of fact. So people should wonder, why is the federal government involved uh, so closely? That's never happened before in a case either, where the FBI is sitting in on uh, meetings between prosecutors and the medical examiner. Uh, so there's there's a lot more um, at work here. And you also have the, the government then that comes into these cities once they enter into some kind of consent degree or something that, you know, after the federal government comes in and decides, oh, the cops are racist here. And then they come in uh, with their with their own money, own own people and, and such. And again, we've seen how this has played out in other cities across the country. It's never gone uh, well. But, you know, the re- reporters and mainstream media never point point that out. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on the air with Liz Collins. Good morning. Well, first of all, two comments. Number one, uh, the technique he used has been around for decades. I was taught it in the military in the mid seventies on, on holding a suspect. So it's common practice. Number two, what I never understood is from the defense part. Why did they just get somebody basically the size of Chauvin, get somebody the size of Floyd, put them on the courtroom floor in the same position? And then everybody could have saw nothing was going on. Why did the defense do that? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Thank you for the call. Um, so the MRT was not even allowed um, in trial. And I have a whole section of uh, the, the book, uh, They're Lying, The Media, The Left, and the Death of George Floyd, that talks more about, about that. But they were, the script, script was almost written before the trial even began with Derek Chauvin. So again, they are, the, the slide is not admissible. Judge Cahill makes that rule. Uh, for the MRT, so imagine that the defense attorney can't even can't even bring it up, um, and you know, so so there's a lot to be said about what jurors were not not allowed uh, to see at all. And when you speak of this being a part of of training, it was a part of Minneapolis police training. We found uh, training manuals that in I think it was 1993 that they mentioned the the MRT. Um, so again, this is this is decades. And every officer I interview in the film, I simply ask that question: Were you cha- trained in MRT? And every single person. Uh, said yes. 775-5559, you're on the air with Liz Collins. Good morning. Yeah, you also know uh, where Hoff was buried? You sound ridiculous when you said this was part of getting rid of uh, Trump. Okay, I, I appreciate the call. Um, so we're shown some footage in between where the officers are struggling and then when Floyd is in the ambulance. I, I wanted to ask you, Liz, why don't we see anything in between where George Floyd stops struggling and where he's in the ambulance? And I guess my interest in that time period would be I would have liked to known how soon after he became unresponsive was CPR started? Uh, well, that's uh, the, this, you know, obsessive timeline of eight or nine minutes. Um, we wanted to show everything that happened before that uh, that time. That was sort of the the thought as as the narrative. And CPR starts in the back of the ambulance uh, in that time. But this is also when we have a medical professional weigh in um, when it comes to, to that, um, how the, the tubing isn't actually hooked up. You have Thomas Lane, who's actually performing chest compressions. Um, you know, and again, uh, that wasn't allowed in the trial at all either to, to show how Thomas Lane worked to save uh, George Floyd's life. So, so again, the, the thought was, let's show everything that people haven't seen um, already. You referenced that the jury wasn't allowed to see portions of the body cam footage. I could understand if the argument was, hey, we're not going to let the general public run wild with this. We want the legal process to unfold first. And then whatever comes out in public trial comes out in public trial. I could understand that method or that line of reasoning. I'm 
I struggle to understand why you would want people who are being asked to judge a officer's reaction in a situation, why we would want to deprive them of all available footage and perspectives of what happened. To the best of your speculation, why was the jury not allowed to see all of the body cam footage? Yeah, and that's purely what it is from my standpoint is is speculation. But uh, as I've said, it seems as if the, the script was written before the trial. Again, you have 14 pages of jury instructions that goes to the jury. That is unheard of. Um, you have a, a jury who's not sequestered, but they're allowed to be sort of paraded in and out of this courtroom that's surrounded by barbed wire and National Guardsmen, um, really creating an atmosphere of, you know, kind of you better find this guy uh, guilty or, or else. But again, this 18 minute interaction in the in the end, it's about 90 seconds that the jury is is allowed uh, to, to see. And, and not only the, the body camera, but also uh, George Floyd's very lengthy criminal history and this repeat uh, type of behavior he's had with arrests in the past. The jury's not allowed to see that either. One of the criticisms that came out was that officers were not responding compassionately. Hindsight being 2020, do you watch some of the body cam footage and the way that officers approached and introduced themselves to George Floyd and the way that they responded? Do you look at that, and particularly with maybe having some insight being married to a police officer, do you look at that and say, yeah, there was probably some opportunity for them to respond more compassionately? Or is the reality of their job just such that it precludes, you know, responding more compassionately and that has to take a backseat to the officer's own safety? Yeah, I think this is the problem, too, with with the media, how they uh, Monday morning quarterback every police in, encounter. So from the very beginning, you have George Floyd, who will not show his hands. Uh, that's why Thomas Lane even pulls a gun in the first place, uh, because the, it's not uncommon uh, for an officer to be fired upon when uh, a suspect will not show his hands. There, again, he's he's not com- not complying. Uh, but but also. I actually think watching it and knowing what I do about uh, I've taken Citizens Academies, which I also say that reporters should before they're even allowed to report on the police at all, uh, that you have these two rookie cops who are actually very nice to George Floyd. Uh, They're not forcing him in the squad. They're saying they'll roll the window down for him. Uh, They're they're clearly stating, you know, this is this is what's happening. It's George Floyd himself uh, who is refusing to comply with, you know, they're, they're checking his pockets as they would with with anyone else. Um, They're not swearing at him. They're not striking him. Um, It actually was uh, pretty by the book. Um, You know, they're actually sort of letting him get away with a lot as far as, you know, other officers may have arrived on scene and just, you know, kind of cuffed him and stuffed him, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, This drags out for a very long time. So I think that does go to show actually, in fact, um, the, the compassion the officers were, were showing. But in the end, it was it was George Floyd who wouldn't get in the back of the squad uh, at all and asks to be laid on the ground. And they also accommodate that request. Do you believe there's any responsibility on the officer's part for ongoing evaluation of the situation? And, and in this case, George, George's safety. Is it is it reasonable to expect an officer to amend their hold or, as Officer Lane suggested, roll him on his side uh, when Floyd stops moving? Yeah, I, I certainly think there's a conversation about um, about you know those types of things. But for this to say that these four officers plotted uh, to murder a man in broad daylight on Memorial Day in in 2020 because they're racist and because they're horrible people, that is just simply not true. Um, you, you know, but but again, Derek Chauvin, knowing what I do now, I didn't know him b- b- before all of this. He's a very by the book person. And you even hear Alex King speaking to that. He helped to train Alex King. 
and he simply was going by his his training. And if you see, uh, George Floyd is still moving. Um, maybe you can't see it. There's a reason they have this one exhibit over and over again in court that mm -hmm. is uh, just showing George Floyd's uh, face and what appears to be uh, Derek Chauvin's knee, of course, on his neck. There's a reason we don't see the other officers. You can see um, Thomas Lane being kicked by George Floyd, and he is still moving. Um, so, again, there was more to this story. And I, I think people, frankly, should be pissed uh, that it was held with, withheld from them because it has changed uh, so much for, for so many of us. 775-5559, you're on KNOX with Liz Collins. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Liz, I, I'm, I'm curious in your response to this because I hear news stories being read all the time that say when they reference uh, Derek Chauvin, and, and I'm not saying this guy's a saint, not Piers the Driven Snow, anything like that, but I'm curious, when, when, when news stories are read and they say, Derek Chauvin, the man who killed George Floyd by kneeling on his neck and stuff like this, in your opinion, with, now with the facts that are out there and that a lot of people have known for a long time, does this border on journalistic uh, malpractice when basically they're tainting the, the views of everybody by, by prefacing the stories, uh, Derek Chauvin, the man who killed George Floyd by kneeling on his neck, does this border on malpractice? Oh, there's all kinds of things that uh, that are considered malpractice in my my book. Let's not forget how the, the media characterized that, still characterizes this to this day, pointing out that Derek Chauvin is white and George Floyd is black. But don't point out the black officer who arrested uh, George Floyd. Uh, Alex King, his uh, his story doesn't doesn't matter. But but I talk about this in my book a little bit um, too, and I, I I appreciate this call because I I like to talk about this because I don't think people really realize the manipulation that is happening behind the scenes uh, in the media. But after George Floyd, where I was working before, um, it was just about a week that passes, and and WCCO implements a mandate that half of the people we interview on the news have to be non-white or from a protected class. So I'm saying, okay, so we are implementing racism. I mean, that's what racism is. We have to judge people on the, the color of their skin, and we're okay with that. We're actually going to be racist. Um, and, you know, I guess by, by that point, they, they knew where I, I stood on um, all of this. But it's basically this, you know, thing in corporate America now. Everybody kind of shuts up in a way, um, even though most people think that this is completely crazy. Uh, but that's still a mandate that's in place, I think, at most, uh, most stations to, to this day. It didn't seem like anybody cared about the facts here. Um, it was all about a narrative, the same way that the media doesn't use the term riots to refer to anything that happened in, in Minneapolis, which I think is, is still so comical. They, they call them, you know, uh, peaceful, peaceful protests protest. or, or protests, even though in, in infernos are burning behind reporters uh, live on, on television. So I, I think for the most part, the American public has has woken up to, to much of this. Seven, seven, five, fifty five, fifty nine. You're on the air with Liz Collins. Good morning. Thank you, Noah, and thank you, ma'am. I uh, will appreciate your uh, narrative on the race issue. However, we all watched it in America live, and it still sounds like a degree of victim shaming in order to justify second-degree murder. I'm not uh, here, Noah, just to, to be clear, to, to justify anything, or the, the goal is to is to talk about, especially with the, the film, is this is what you were not allowed to see. I assume this is the person who hasn't seen the film. So I'd appreciate if maybe we take calls of people who actually have seen the, the film and have questions. That would make more sense to me. Um, but uh, but that that's the point of the, the film. These are stories you have never heard before, including uh, the, the, you know, the surrender of the third precinct and these officers, what they, what they were put through, and the officers uh, who are in prison. So 
this isn't a, a victim shaming uh, film by any by any stretch of the imagination. These are all public documents, uh, you know, public public footage, uh, et cetera. And, and I'd be quick to point out, like, you, again, you don't really render an opinion in the film. You're just putting the information out there. You let the viewer decide what, if anything, that means for themselves. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX with Liz Collins. Good morning. Hi, Liz. I've uh, read your book. I've seen the documentary. Thank you for the book and the documentary. I was in Nashville during this time. Black Lives Matter, you know, they rioted in 540 cities and riots and everything. What the the biggest thing I've seen, um, the police officer did not require or did not have a fair trial. The state of Minnesota gave the Floyd family $27 million um, before the trial, and that polluted the jury pool. So I think this should go to the North or the minute or the U S Supreme court and should be overturned, but they declined to hear it. And anyway, thank you, Liz, for all your work. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thank um, you. Appreciate that, that, that call for sure. Is it, uh, is it, is it reasonable to modify the way that we train officers going forward to have a, so if we've decided that, Hey, this isn't an acceptable outcome and the maximal restraint technique has the ability to maybe cause death or at least maybe it would be more accurate to say if somebody has underlying health conditions, like, for example, you're a decade long drug user and you're susceptible to cardiac arrest, that putting people in stressful situations maybe exacerbates those situations. Is it reasonable to say, hey, going forward, we should have maybe different training material or different techniques that we apply to officers or teach them to use because we're unhappy with this outcome? Well, I also think it's just not reasonable for police officers to know people's medical history. Yes. Uh, that makes no sense. That's not what they're, I don't think they can be trained to, in in that way. I, I will say the maximal restraint technique um, was a part of Minneapolis police training up until just a few months ago. So it was it was uh, still a part of, of part of training up until very recently, and many departments um, still have it to this day. I will say what we know now about uh, fentanyl and drugs. So remember, this is three years ago, so a lot has happened in in those three years um, with this mix of, of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Uh, th- these drugs are a lot more potent than they've ever been before. Um, but it's more of a, a medical issue than a, than a policing issue. But I think that you have two rookie cops that were not well, well versed in these types of, of calls yet as, as George Floyd is obviously becoming more and more agitated, um, you know, et cetera, through those minutes that, that pass, whereas more, perhaps more senior police officers would have, would have recognized that. But again, the, the drugs are a lot different than they were 20 years ago. Uh, you know, all of that kind of plays uh, plays a, a factor here, I think. Liz Collins, she is a multi-Emmy award-winning reporter and anchor, a guest this hour on Critical Thought, the news site, alphanews.org, the film, The Fall of Minneapolis, the book, They're Lying, the Media, the Left, and the Death of George Floyd, available on Rumble. Liz, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate it. We'll get you back soon. Thank you, Noah. Have a great day. You too. All right, news out of the KNOX newsroom. Up next. Thanks for listening to Critical Thought. Download the show notes at criticalthought.show. 
The content from this episode was taken from the live radio show, which airs every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon on Newstalk 1310 KNOX. Streamed online at knoxradio.com.